0: The West Ones, and playing Candidates. Jazz take on playoff caliber opponents, Blazers, Suns, Mavericks. We're talking about that here on Roundball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga. Happy Niall Campbell Monday. And also, Skin Wade, Mavs Television. I was watching his nephew's movie, Cooper Rife. I got his name wrong when I spoke to Skin, so you blew it. But in that movie, and it's similar to Superbad. He's wearing a Mavs playoff shirt. So, best moments in Mavs pop culture history. Best moments in jazz pop culture history. I'm looking at you, Jack Harlow. We talk about that and a team that maybe the Jazz face in the playoffs because they're in the drop zone of that play-in tournament. Is the time to start looking at those type of things. But first, podcast brought to you by Bailey's Moving and Storage. We move you every step of the way, near or far, big or small. It's Bailey's moving and storage. I rewatched the Phoenix game from earlier this year just as an indicator of what we might anticipate come Wednesday night. It's a national television game. A lot of people will be watching ESPN. I want to see how Utah compares to the one that I saw recently. The Utah that played Phoenix at the Viv completely different from what you're seeing from them now. This was watching early Kaiju, and now it's going to be Godzilla versus Kong. Those early indicators, though, that Phoenix would be good, were all there. They're so well run with Chris Paul as the point guard. CP had this dime in between Derek Favors and Mike Conley on a bounce pass to DeAndre Ayton that just wows you. It's exactly what you get from Chris Paul when he's on your team in that game. It was no more highlighted by the fact that the Jazz lost their composure a bit at home. This was the game, if you remember, Jordan Clarkson runs into the official. Ball bounces off the referee's foot. He pushes him, and that's a technical. Moments later... Royce O'Neal chops at Devin Booker, and he gets a flagrant foul. Like, the Jazz weren't into this game or showing that level of composure that they have shown when they were having all that success. I mean, they're on a a winning streak right now. They just didn't have that switch of being level-headed in that moment. Both these teams are playing so much better. But Phoenix is so tenacious on the perimeter— Standing out defensively, they had Javon Carter, CP, starting that up. And now, we can make the jokes about Torrey Craig, but him playing over Langston Galloway gives them another defender that they could throw on Donovan, another smart defender. means less minutes for Galloway. They force Utah off the three-point line to the point where they had just 34 attempts for three, tied for third lowest for the Jazz this season. Phoenix is rising up and up the standings they're a threat. They might take over. They're trying to take over at least this league. But what Phoenix did in being the last team to beat Utah at home impressed me. I want to see how they integrate more of Tory Craig. He's in their rotation now. How's he going to go with a Donovan Mitchell on the other side? And what's Quinn Snyder going to do about Mike Conley? Back-to-back with Phoenix on the road, then Portland at home, which game do you rest? Because those are both playoff opponents. Are you going to not show your hand much against Phoenix? What's the option there as you're dealing with the injury management of Mike Conley's hamstring? And talking to Skin, he's their silent reporter on Mavs television. Very funny man. Ben Skin Show, if you want to listen to his daily radio show. I wanted to talk to Skin, not only because I, I caught Bleep House. Again, here's another ad for it. It's a really good movie. If you're into super bad or that type of comedy, make it college, and make it more earnest, to be honest with you. Very funny movie. I watch it on YouTube. Find it where movies are seen. But Skin, this relates to the play-in tournament. And I know I've engaged with it, like that nightmare scenario of the Lakers getting the eight, and the Jazz being number one. Possibility of that, slimmer and slimmer. What would have to happen is that not only would they land 7-8, they would have to lose their first game in the play-in tournament and then turn around and win against the 9-10 seed. I don't think that happens. So the more realistic angle is maybe Dallas, Portland, New Orleans, those teams, Memphis, those will be down there. And I wanted to hear from Dallas, because they're playing much better basketball. Just hear what they've been doing over the last two weeks, gaining confidence. I set it to skin because I watched that Celtics game on national television last Wednesday, and they looked roaring offensively, but they had a little bit of defense to them, much better than what I saw last year. Numbers according to Clean the Glass, 106.4 defensively. That's fifth best in the league. And if they can match what they do offensively, with more defense than they showed last season, they could be a threat. And they have Luka. They have a perennial MVP candidate. Didn't show up in shape, but as he's worked himself into game shape, he plays at that Luka level. So important to get a little key in on on skin and what the Mavs are doing. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. We've got more coming down the pipe, okay? I'll let you in on a little secret. Craig Bowlerjack coming out with a podcast. And the first guest, you will not want to miss it. Check that out in your feeds coming up. Let's do it. First, talking to Niall, jazz and such, and then we get into Mavs with Skin Wade ahead of tonight's game against Dallas. Please enjoy.
1: When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com.
2: Photographer? Is this like that, a skill? I don't know. That photo wasn't bad. You know, I kind of felt bad. Trey said, I mean, Trey said, it texted, put it in the chat. Uh, Donovan's first time using the camera, and seemingly he has taken the best photo of the entire year. I wouldn't go that far, but because Trey is very skilled and talented. But the angles on that photo, it was very cool. Jo- Jordan Clarkson even posted it. So that was a quality photo.
0: I was going to say, how much of it is the fact that Jordan Clarkson is an excellent subject? As opposed to Donovan, the photographer.
2: You can still be an excellent subject and the person take a terrible photo of you. It ended up blurry, it ended up out of focus, all of that. The photo was in focus and it was it was a decent photo.
0: I think we need a, a tray investigation. Did he put autofocus on
2: the camera? Did he before? put autofocus auto on it?
0: That makes it much easier. How many photos are we seeing that weren't so hot? Yes. Like, let's see the entire digital role and determine, okay, all of these are good. Or some of them were him focused at the stairs, but that was a very impressive photo that we did post of him yeah. shooting Jordan Clarkson. The shooter. Jordan Clarkson, obviously. I mean, he could look cool in any scenario and he
2: looked it right there. Jordan, like we've talked about this before. Jordan will look cool in any outfit, make anything work. So that was a quality photo. Shout out to Donovan. I think, you know, clearly Trey's rubbing off on them. Even Rudy. Rudy was trying to get some skills too. So Trey's clearly rubbing off on both of them. We need to see those clips too, because that's
0: much. I wouldn't say it's more difficult, but it's a different skill. It's harder. It's harder to be a videographer, as opposed to a still photographer. And Rudy grabbed Trey's camera towards the end of the game against
2: Orlando. Mm-hmm, and, and it's, it's not easy to, I, I like to say, you know, I'm not a videographer, but I used to shoot some of my own packages. I am a uh, multi-skilled journalist at that multi-platforms. And it's not easy to be able, you have to be able to catch, you know, Okay, who has the ball? And especially to do live basketball, live sports is not easy. So to be, I'm excited. I want to see those clips. So we're going to have to ask Trey for that as well. Release the clips. I also don't
0: think that he was shooting the court. I think he was just shooting the bench at that point. He was shooting reactions. (laughs) Because that's much easier. I'm sure Rudy like started out trying to shoot the court and then quickly realized, I should probably just stick with this stuff that's right in front of me. And that'll go up. more swimmingly than actually shooting game action.
2: For sure, it just wasn't working, but (laughs) there's nothing like bench reactions. I think those are still, I still want to get those clips, especially because what, how many points did we win by? Was it 40? At one point we were up 50, I believe. At one point doubled them up. It was 46 to 92. It was insane, insane. But the thing is JP, I mean, you can tell me this, that was still a very exciting game to watch.
0: It was because there were so many alleys to the hoop. You saw
2: Mieoni get a dunk, Jarrell Brantley. Everybody was getting in on the Everybody head. scored. That was the tweet. Everybody scored. That was a great, what do you call it? Team win.
0: That was an amazing team win. And then to see Orlando the next night play much tougher against the Nuggets. Start me to think, okay. Maybe we're buying a little bit too quickly on these, this Denver experience because I just saw this Magic team get destroyed by the Jazz. The one thing that you could really count on with Utah is them being able to put away bad teams. Mm-hmm. That, that takes something to be a good regular season squad. Utah has shown that as now still number one in the league, number one in the West, and... Putting away these teams that shouldn't be in their class. There haven't been the type of games where you're playing a shorthanded Orlando where they have eight players and they're keeping it close. That in no way has that happened this year. That's been super
2: impressive to see. For sure. I mean, no, uh, to be able to keep a lead, I think that's something that like uh, the team talked about early on in the season. So you can, you know, you can start off, you can have a great lead. Uh, But if you're able to see that lead, like, you know, disappear, they're able to start keeping the lead, which I think is great. And even bringing in our second and third units and the lead still being, still being evident and still being there. I think that's really important. And it's good to see that the second half of the season, but how are you feeling about these next three games? This is going to be a tough test. Yeah. This is it. This is the West. This is
0: where it's going to happen. Dan- Dallas is playing amazing basketball. We're going to talk to Skin Wade in just a moment on the podcast. He's detailing how Luka has gotten back into shape after not expecting the season to happen. And then Phoenix on a ESPN National Spotlight game is going to be huge. And then the next day on the back-to-back, Mike Portland. Conley might not be available for one of
2: these games. Portland playoff teams all over the place i didn't even think about mike conley because he doesn't play back-to-back just for uh to make sure that his hamstring is okay uh you're right he probably won't be playing the the portland game i think phoenix because it is on espn it's a bigger bigger game um he'll probably be playing that one uh especially because phoenix i what is phoenix still number two or is it the clippers now number two phoenix number two Okay. Yeah. Cause I know they go, they go back and forth, but yeah, these, this is a huge test I saw on Twitter. Everyone's like, they, they want to see if the jazz are really bad at it because, you know, I guess the rest of the season is quote unquote not that challenging at the end of the day though, we have 23 games in 46 days. That's insane to me, uh, to finish out the season. That's just a crazy amount of games, but I'm excited to see what will happen in these next three games. Uh, it's going to be definitely something fun to watch. Um, and the guys have a lot of chips on their They have a lot of chips on their shoulders. Uh, so this will definitely be something that, uh, will be very, very interesting to watch.
0: Do you remember who you were December 31st, 2020? I don't even remember who I was that day. I
2: don't remember either. We were so young. We were innocent kids. Yeah, and this could be easily the Western Conference Finals. Anything could happen. This is definitely something showing us of what to expect during the playoffs. So these these guys are going to go 110%. I mean, they go 110% every night. But this, everyone knows, you're on the big stage. You're on ESPN. Everyone's tuned in. I tell people all the time, the Jazz uh, is, is such an exciting team to watch. So this is a chance for people to see nationally. How great the Jazz are and to play against another huge team like the Suns this is something that's going to be very interesting especially you got I mean you think about Chris Paul and Donovan somebody that when I love seeing them, them two go against each other I love seeing that out there on the court just because that is someone that Donovan looks up to so that always gets me excited um seeing Devin Booker uh yeah so it's definitely going to be definitely going to be an interesting game but I'm excited to see it Again, with the
1: ball in his hands in the paint floater short got it back ties it with three.
0: Gonzaga versus Baylor. This is going to pit Jazz fans all over the world against each other because Gonzaga, John Stockton, current team though, more Baylor. You have Dennis Lindsey, the executive vice president of basketball operations, and Royce O'Neal from the Bears. He played under Scott Drew, who is the head coach over there. What do we do as Jazz fans? You're a neutral observer. Which way are you rooting tonight? Baylor or Gonzaga?
2: I'm going the opposite of you. I want to go with Baylor. I want to go with Baylor just because, um, yeah, I think like Gonzaga, like that would be <laughs> be cool to see, I guess. Uh, but I, I want to go with Baylor. Texas, I really have no reason to go for them at all. I'm just going to say because Royce is on the team, he's going hard. I'll go with Baylor, uh, and I don't want to upset
0: It is definitely a look at new school, old school, as I side with the old school of John Stockton, Nigel Williams Goss. Also, if you're looking at former jazz players that played for Gonzaga, those legendary runs that they still have with John Stockton. Baylor has the current jazz heart because Davion Mitchell, their number 45, who looks like Donovan, plays a little bit like Donovan as well gets shouted out by Donovan in his uh, press conferences. He is so fun to watch for that Baylor team.
2: I'm excited to watch. Uh, Everyone's trying to figure out if we could get Davion. Uh, You know, did you know that Davion is two days younger? Well, he's also two years younger than Donovan, but his birthday is two days after Donovan. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they have, it's actually very funny. Same, same sign, same Zodiac sign. Um, Donovan also said something and they're like close to the same height or something like that. Um, but Donovan's been texting him and, uh, he's talked about how he's given him advice and helped him out and all this other stuff. Uh, they wear the same number. So yeah, I'm excited to see, uh, Davion, Cause I haven't really been able to keep up with the, uh, with March madness. So I'm definitely gonna watch it tonight. Uh, but I've been hearing great things about Davion, So
0: he's been bone, you know, mm-hmm. I want to see those two play in the league. I always see two forty fives looking at each other. Spider-Man mean style. So you don't want to see him on the team? He can't. Will the Jazz be drafting around high enough for Davion yeah. Mitchell? I don't think so. I think that means they're too good of a team. Yeah. We're, we're going to go 30 this year. Okay. So maybe they won't be on the same team. Maybe if uh, you make a trade, potentially. They look and play very similar. So it'll be cool to watch that number 45 play tonight you got two forty fives playing tonight on the docket dallas Mavs, and then you've got gonzaga baylor watching tonight i love gonzaga only because they play the best offensive basketball this entire year i dived into the numbers like david Locke. i went into a hole into a tunnel and i said okay what is it gonna look like what are this ken pom numbers telling me about this team they're historically great they are historically great Offensive team, Gonzaga, I've got them all the way. I also apparently picked them in my bracket, so it would also help me there. You did? Yes.
2: Okay, yeah, so I'm going all the way with Baylor. Let's do this. Shake count it.
0: There you go. I've got John Stockton. You have the current team, Royce O'Neal, Dennis Lindsey. Yeah. Okay.
2: Sounds great. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm all good taking controversial opinions. It's fine. Uncontroversially, you are reading the. 100 things jazz fans should know and we've got to keep up with it as it's been a while since we caught up with you niall where are you in the book how's it going what are you learning about this week
2: so this week do you want to know something really cool what you and paul Millsap have a similar story uh-oh paul Millsap was attacked by a dog oh actually yeah oh no okay all right what happened attacked by a dog he and Elijah I guess are like running home now apparently Elijah tells a story that it was a three-legged dog Paul tells a story that it was a four-legged dog uh he truly hates the story he said he hates talking about it but it's always brought up and Paul Millsap um they were walking home Elijah first saw the dog and started running that's when the dog took off took off after Paul and he was bitten by a dog
0: whoa was it bad
2: Yeah, they said it was pretty bad. (laughs) He said, yeah, he said it was pretty bad. It was pretty bloody. Some people were wondering if the dog was still on him when he got home. Um, They didn't tell me if he got stitches or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised. As someone who just experienced this, guarantee
0: that Paul Millsap had to get a tetanus shot and four rounds of rabies shots. Those are no joke, folks. If you've ever had the rabies vaccine, it is a 30-second shot. It was in my thigh. They called it the infected leg for 30 seconds. A slow plunge into my body. It's a long needle too. It is. Back in the day, apparently it hurt more.
2: Yeah, it it hurts. I got a rabies shot too. A few actually. I got five. Whoa. I had to get five of them um, because there was a bat in my house and it tested positive for rabies. Yikes. So yeah, I had to get five. Yeah, and I got it. One of them went right in my tush. Stomach too, all over my body.
0: Ugh, terrible. We
2: That's were in awful. the ER to like five a.m. Mm. It was a lot. My entire family had it bit anybody. We don't know. You don't know if you don't. One thing about bats, you don't know if you get bit by a bat.
0: Oh wow,
2: really? Mm-hmm.
0: There's not even like a, a mark.
2: You might feel like a. There would be like a small mark, so you could see something, but like most people can't find the small the mark.
0: That's why vampires are a thing, I guess.
2: Yeah. So you don't know if you got, you don't, and they're really, really small to the point where like bats can apparently fit through a quarter, a hole that, like, the size of a quarter. Whoa. Yeah. We had
0: bats in our school at West High School, a block away from the stadium. <laughs> Nobody
2: told me I need to get a rabies shot just because we were around a bat. No, it was bad. I, I thought about like, did you, do you remember when the Spurs, the Spurs have bats in the arena. Man and who swatted the bat down. Spurs have bats in their arena, and I'm surprised they didn't make the players get rabies shots. Wow. It was way too close. And it's happened numerous times.
0: So you've had to go in for rabies. It
2: happened to my family, to my family twice, but oh. I only got—I was only there one time.
0: That's terrifying. Because where we
2: live, there's a lot of trees. <laughs> that's,
0: why, that's why you came out here, I suppose. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of trees. There's a lot of bats. Bats are like a thing. It's actually very scary.
0: I'm going to talk to the Salt Lake City School District and make sure that everybody from the class of 2012 is okay because they encountered a bat and you saw the janitor or the groundskeeper go around <laughs> with that that like bat catching stuff. Yeah. Trying to catch it. Weird. Okay. That's unsettling. What else did you learn in the book?
2: So, there's actually so, you know, they talked about like the jersey banners, all that great stuff. Um, I guess another cool one, the Jersey banners, they talked about Carl Malone versus everybody, basically all the people that he had issues with <laughs> and, and beefs that he had had Matt Harpering um, and his legacy, uh, now being a color analyst for the team. but prior he was really loved and beloved by um, our former owner, Larry Miller, um, the late Larry Miller. They said that you know, he evidently was basically like, I guess untradeable until he had like you know, one of his like really bad injuries. But Larry Miller said that he was one of, he was one of his favorite players. On his deathbed, he told him that he was one of his favorite players and super thankful for everything that he's meant to the organization. So that was really cool to read about that with Matt. And then uh, I guess another cool one was the 2007 when we made it to the Western Conference Finals versus the Spurs. Um, And that was an unexpected run to the finals uh, after having not the greatest season the season before. And then I guess the Warriors beating out the number one seed and um, the Jazz taking the Houston Rockets or Tracy McGrady to a Game 7, which they eventually won. So On the road. No, on the road, 2007.
0: On the road in Game 7, playing against Jeff Van Gundy, Yao Ming, and T-Mac. That team was really good. Had heroics from Carlos Boozer in that Game 7. And that was yeah. the apex, apex mountain of... Carlos Boozer and Darren Williams playing with that team. They got it done all the way to the Western Conference Finals. It's why people are so high on this team. Thinking back to that era of jazz basketball where they were winning 50 games. I get so
2: stressed thinking about the playoffs. I'm Should sorry, be. guys, I didn't get to see my face. But my face, I get really stressed. Should be stressed. It's going to be high, intense
0: action when it comes to this year in where the Lakers are going to end up. Because they're taking a little bit of the slide.
2: So I was nervous at first because I just, you know, I think we talked about this on the podcast last week. Um, But I forget that there's a whole play-in tournament and it's 7 through 10. Yeah. So that would mean the Lakers would have to one lose the first game. Yep. Would be kind of insane if they do. Um, But anything could happen. We could get the Warriors. The Warriors are in the 10th seed right now. And Steph Curry in the playoffs is a different beast, too. So anything can happen. You've got,
0: potentially, Luka, Ja, Zion, and then the Spurs, the team of the Spurs with how well is it? they play as a collective unit in that area. And, like, if Luka goes up into the non-playoff bracket – that means Dame or somebody else who's a huge name would drop down into that four range of that play-in tournament. It will be compelling to watch who the Jazz's opponent, if they're one or two.
2: Right now, 7 through 10 is you you hit everyone except the Warriors, so the Pelicans are 11. Yeah, there you Uh, go. But we don't know what could happen with the Warriors or the Pelicans. They can just fight it out. But that's intense. But playing Steph in a one-game playoff – play in
0: tournament that's wild that'll be really good watching as a neutral when you get in the series it won't be fun watching because you're going against Steph. but that lead up will be very exciting to see what's
2: going to happen in those one winner go home games and these are all teams except the we were three and four with the um well we're still waiting i think we played the grizzlies one more time um but we've lost the Warriors, we've lost the Pelicans, and we're playing the maps tonight. So this will definitely be something to show. So this, this second half of the season, there's no such thing as anything being easy in the Western Conference. a chance. Not a chance.
0: Happy Niall Campbell Monday. <laughs> best moments in maverick's pop culture history
1: so uh two come to mind uh the first one is Dirk being on the simpsons uh and you've probably actually seen the animated dirk uh you know it's just a frame of the show uh it makes its way around twitter quite a bit that's a really great moment um one of the and then probably sean bradley i can't remember if he was a maverick at the time he might have been a sixer when sean bradley was in space jam but Derek harper was also in space jam but he was a nick at the time if i remember correctly um so those are the first ones that come to mind also uh i think you know it's kind of weird when your owner is a celebrity in his own right but i think the great scene in Step Brothers where Derek is talking about, uh, the Bonita fish run and he's with super chef, Bobby Flay and cubes. Uh, so maybe we can, uh, put that one in there as well. Obviously, you know, Cubans on shark tank every week or whatever, but, uh, but those are the ones that come to mind first.
0: Cooper Rafe was wearing a Mavs playoffs Jersey. Uh, sure.
1: Time in- is now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as the thing to bring this up kind of reminded me of Cameron on, uh, Bill O'Reilly all of a sudden wearing a a jazz jersey for some reason <laughs> in, the, in the U-Mad cliff.
2: And, and
1: I, I should say this because uh, there's no way you, everyone uh, pronounces it the same, but his uh, Cooper's last name is actually Rife. Right. But I have, a, I, have a, I know, and it, it doesn't look like that, but I have a buddy named Rafe. Whose last name is Rafe, and it's spelled with one F. So I don't know where they got that crazy pronunciation, but oh, okay. uh, it's a name that hopefully people will be hearing more and more as his uh, as his uh, you know his career grows. So,
0: well, as this is the uh, loosely basketball p- podcast, let's get back to the basketball. What's on yeah. court for the Mavericks as they take on the Jazz on Monday? What has been the download on this team? As it seems pretty similar to what they were last year, but in just watching Wednesday night's game against the Celtics on national television, it looks like right. they have a little bit more defense than they did last year.
1: Yeah, they and it's look, uh I'm not trying to make any excuses for the teams. I think these are reasons for, you know, where they are where they are. Uh since the beginning of February, they have one of the six best records in the league up there with, you know, Y'all's Jazz, who've been just incredible all year long. But the key change over the summer was trading Seth Curry, who we all loved, for Josh Richardson. And the idea was you're going to give up a little bit of shooting uh, in order to get way better defensively. Well, uh, Josh had an incredible preseason and uh, a pretty good start to the year, but you know, uh, health and safety protocol really wrecked the Mavericks. I think unlike any other team, they lost, you know, four of their top seven players for over three weeks. And so if you go and you look at the Mavs' defensive rating by month, uh, you know, the month that they lost three of their starters and their best three individual defenders, it's a disaster. And so what's happened, and that's when they got Porzingis back. uh, And so uh, we had this horrific freeze in the state of Texas where the state was shut down for a week. And the Mavericks were, you know, two games were canceled. So they practice that week that was in February and that was only represented only the fourth time all year that their starters had gotten to practice together. So it's just been a very haphazard year because of health and safety protocol. And it impacted their defense more than anything else. And, you know, when we talk about defense, you get stops, you get rebounds, you get better looks because you get early offense and secondary transition. So it also impacts their, their offense. But what you've seen since everyone has been healthy is you've seen the Mavericks are one of the top 10 teams in the league. If you want to be more specific, a top six team in the league and their defensive rating is starting to climb back up as well. And then conversely their schedule, I think they had like uh by when percentage of opponent, they had the best remaining schedule post all-star break. So they're poised to make a climb back up the standings, if they can keep their guys healthy and, and the train on the track, so to speak.
0: How has it been integrating KP back into the lineup after not being with them early on?
1: At first, it was really wonky. Um, and, you know, for him, his situation in Dallas is so very different than his situation in New York. And if you go back and you look at last year where he really started taking off, two things happened. Number one, he started focusing on the defensive end of those responsibilities and then, two, there was a road trip that Luca was out, so the ball was coming to him. And he he had back-to-back games where he destroyed Milwaukee. And I think it was the Pacers was the other game. Uh, that's last season. Same thing happened this season. As he started buying more into defense, everything else started to fall into place. And especially you watch that Celtic game. Um, that was a good example uh, where he, he just kind of fit in. You know, he usually – The Mavericks have tweaked their rotations. It used to be Luca would play the whole first quarter and the whole third quarter, and then KP was the one kind of getting yanked in and out of the lineup. Well, they have adjusted that. Luca usually goes to the bench around the six-minute mark. KP stays in for the majority of the first quarter, and it's paid huge dividends for him. He's been in a better rhythm. He's been more dialed in. The game was, I believe it was the Thunder game, where he had 12 points in about eight minutes. And then when he went to the bench, when he came back in, He immediately started getting assists. He had five assists in the second quarter. So he's doing things to fit in with this team, and this is really a good point in the season for the Mavericks. They're starting to feel each other out, know their roles, all play to their roles and play to their strengths. And as you know from watching this team, it's really all going to be about how far Luka can take them anyways.
0: Well, he came onto the scene in a big way in that Clippers series out there in the bubble – With that double bang, Mike Breen gave him in the playoff game. Uh, How has he spurred on from that playoff series into this year where he was getting a lot of the early shouts for potentially being an MVP player at the beginning?
1: Yeah. So he showed up out of shape. Um, and you know, I see a lot of commentary on this and I understand that sort of commentary, but generally speaking, young people are bulletproof and they don't realize how to take care of their body. And so I think Luca learned a very valuable lesson. I think he was embarrassed by his start to the season because of all that hype you were talking about. And so it took him three weeks or so to get maybe four to get into shape. And he's been really great ever since then. And where the real difference, man, go look at his three-point shooting percentage. And, you know, people talk, that's about your legs. Three-point shooting is about your legs, man. You don't throw it up there with your arms. You get it there with your legs. And so as he got his legs and got his conditioning, he's been on eight. And, dude, you saw it in that Celtic game. I mean, the shots he was hitting were ridiculous. So we're getting accustomed to him hitting ridiculous three-point shots. It's not Reggie Miller or, or you know, Steph Curry, but he's he's getting there. And uh, And that's been tremendous. And, you know, we know he sees the floor. We know he can rebound and all those things. But he's also, over the last, you know, three or four weeks – not been as ball dominant uh, as he was playing sort of the hardened role earlier in the season. So uh, he, he's, a, he's a top five player, at least offensive player in my mind. And he's uh he's a good team defensive player. He's a smart team defensive player. Um, and so, you know, the, the, I would just say that the media and the people in the organization feel really good about the direction this team is going as we head towards kind of a a weird playoff season that starts in mid-May this year.
0: And I totally understand someone not showing up in in shape when you don't know when the season's going to start. And as it comes back earlier, can understand why it was a bit of a a slow start. The thing that picked up uh, with our conversation last year, I listened back to it. We were highlighting the tempo. To which Luca plays mm-hmm. and as he goes less as you say in that hard mold on the ball a- on top of it every single possession how does that affect the way that the Mavericks play on offense
1: you know the Mavericks uh we're talking you're talking tempo you're talking about the way that he specifically attacks but ironically enough I think the Mavericks because of Luca's strengths prefer to be a half-court team they're not a big you know uh run and gun fast-paced team um, so they, they really like operating in the half court, uh, for a lot of reasons. I think, uh, inherently Rick doesn't like what he calls windshield wiper games, where it gets really frenetic up and down the court. And I think that they have the personnel that lends itself to a uh, good half court basketball, but you know, at CNBA, you have to take advantage of those easier opportunities when they arise. Um, but I think what this year is about, and part of it has to do with. Uh, you know, this temple you're talking about, Luca worked on his mid-range game. And there's there all this talk about, well, the mid-range is not an efficient shot. It depends on the player, right? Like if you're telling me the mid-range is not an efficient shot for DeMar DeRozan, you're not watching DeMar DeRozan play. That's an efficient shot for him. Um, and I think Luca's really mastered, not mastered, he's got a ways to go, but he's really dramatically improved his mid-range game Uh, which is a a really good spot because the game changes as defenses change. And so as people are more attuned to the devastating nature of getting three pointers made on you, there's more um, defensive attention paid to running guys off the three point line. And so if they run you off the three point line, the best shot, if you master it is quite frankly, one or two dribbles and a pull up, you don't want to go all the way to the basket where the seven, like the jazz, You're going to run someone off the three-point line. What, you want me to dribble into Rudy Gobert? No. The best shot is going to be one or two dribbles and then pull up in that mid-range. So these things are not like set in stone, and this is the way it's going to be moving forward is defenses adjust, offenses adjust and find those spaces where they can work. And so that's really encouraging to me that Luca. we know he can overpower guys his size at the basket, we know he can knock down three-point shots, and now he's boogieing in that mid-range area, and it's just another aspect of there's a part there's no weaknesses in his offensive game.
0: It's a bad shot if it's not your spot, right? If You aren't used yes. to making that that shot get. Then no, what are you what are you doing pulling up in the mid-range? But if it's right. if it is your shot, like a a Donovan Mitchell who or a superstar who down the stretch, they're going to. Dogs on the perimeter and want you to take that mid range shot. If it's your shot, that it becomes definitely very efficient.
1: It's really interesting to me watching uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander play, where he's great in that mid range area. And he spent last year with Chris Paul, who's incredible in the mid range area, right? Like, I just think, you know, these trends happen and we latch on to them and then we speak them like they're the gospel. But, you know, these are ever evolving gospels.
0: What is the optimal seeding for Dallas if they were to head into the
1: playoffs to me? (laughs) Um, I don't, I mean, optimal would be uh, a first round matchup with the nuggets or the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Um, they won the season series against both of those teams. And that's not why I'm saying that, but defensively, they do a better job matching up with teams that aren't crazy physical inside. Or have the, I mean, no one can cover Dame, but little guards. It's easier for the Mavericks to match up again. as stupid as it sounds. It's easier to match up with Kawhi or Paul George because those guys don't burst by you. If you look at the size of the Mavericks' best defenders, quite frankly, you know, that we had analytics uh, last year that showed that Maxi Kleba was one of the 10 best defenders in the NBA against Kawhi Leonard. In fact, I think it was one of the five best. And you look at that and go, what the hell's that about? Well, it has to do with the size and the strength of those players. And so I personally, if I'm looking at a a better matchup for the Mavs, I would rather deal with those types of players that the Nuggets and Clippers have than Dame Lillard or to your point, you know, a guy like Donovan Mitchell that is so wildly explosive athletic off that dribble like that. I just think those are better matchups for the Mavericks. There's no good matchups in the West. I mean, dude, you guys are, are barreling in towards the number one seed, and you may have a really tough matchup in the first round. It's just the nature of the beast in the West. So, uh, you know, every matchup's different, and I'm not saying I want the Clippers or I want the Nuggets. Those are teams that can win championships, but I just think they're probably better suited for matchups against the Mavs.
0: The nightmare scenario is if the Lakers keep sliding – tried sliding and all of a sudden they're in the eighth spot jazz get the number one seed and oh boy you get lebron and ad in the first round that would be yeah it'd be pretty terrible a year that they would have had during the regular season what did do the additions of jj reddick and nicola Melli add as someone who can supplement what you lost in in seth curry
1: you know it's interesting on Melly, he already looks like a fit and i thought he was just salary ballast because I had not seen him play that much. His uh, shooting percentages were way down. And I was like, eh, there's probably not a space for him. But he gets here. Willie Colley-Stein has been away from the team. And so there is a few minutes for him to grab, and he made the most of him. And I know that Donnie Nelson had said at the presser that Luka had enormous respect for him. And when he checked into the game uh, for the first time against the Thunder, Luka was going out of his way to get him the ball, which I thought, you know, spoke volumes. And he looks like a guy that, that can that can help this team in some spots. And he looked like a confident shooter, despite what his numbers are are indicating coming out of New Orleans. But for Redick, uh, if you look up and down the MAV roster, there's not a lot of guys with deep playoff experience. And Redick has over 100 NBA playoff games. So I think he provides that. And when Luka and KP are on the floor, if you add a shooter, the caliber of redick, if he's healthy and I think you know he's rehabbing the heel but if you look at his numbers before this current injury uh, stint his three-point shooting was going way 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 up. he had shot over 40 percent for that little 12 game stretch, the Mavericks will be unguardable and and the best uh, analysis I can give you of this is go look, the NBA had pretty much given up on Doug McDermott. And the Mavericks got him uh, in a trade. And I guess that would have been three years ago. And he played 30 games here and playing in Rick Carlisle's system. And Rick tweaked things. He didn't just throw Doug into what we were doing, he started tweaking things for Doug. And remember, Rick Carlisle coached Reggie Miller, so he knows how to coach a guy off the ball. And Doug McDermott put up ridiculous, I mean, ridiculous shooting numbers in his 30 games here, and the Pacers gave him a big contract. So, if you want to see, and that was even without the whole Luca KP phenomenon. So, we're going to see more off the ball dynamics, movement, uh, the way JJ Reddick plays. If you put him on the floor with Luca and KP, and I don't care if it's Maxie, Dorian, Josh, you throw whoever else out there in those other two spots their offensive rating is gonna be up above 120. It's it's gonna be absolute magic, it's coming. Now, you're not gonna give him heavy minutes, he's gonna play 18 or 19 minutes a night, but that's what this is about, getting him healthy and adding that wrinkle as they go into the playoffs and really opening up your offense to new heights.
0: That'll be something to follow for sure. As the Mavs are about to take on the Jazz, what is the perception of this team that right now holds the best record in the league?
1: I love your team. I love your team so much. I love watching them play. They've kind of got, I mean, there's a lot of talent there, uh, but they have that system thing going where if someone goes down, it's okay because everyone plays to the system. I have got to be the world's biggest Joe Ingles fan outside of Utah. (laughs) I love watching him play. I'm not going to compare him to Luca. That's absurd, but he plays at his own tempo. He absolutely he he slows slow Slow Mo Joe. Yes. I love watching him play. I think he's I think he's a brilliant offensive basketball player. He's also cocky and got attitude. Um, so I'm a huge fan. And I think anytime you have, you know, a guy like Rudy Gobert back there, you can. It's interesting because this is why the Mavericks want to play a more randomized style of basketball, is because you get to, you know, the playoffs and you can cater. Uh, you know, schemes towards what the other team is doing and really hone in. And when you can funnel defensively teams towards Gobert back there, I, I, it's just a tremendous advantage. And I think that the disappointments the Jazz have had in the playoffs, you know, fans tend to start doubting players. But if they're good players, what I – and I saw this in Dallas. There was a time, believe it or not, where Maverick fans doubted Dirk. I never did. Um but oh, you can't what happens is great players hear that and feed off that. Donovan Mitchell's a great player. He's going to feed off of that. Uh, I think uh I think everything is in place for the Jazz to have a really nice run. Um, I think what happened, I think it hurts you guys to lose your shooter going into the playoffs last year. But I, I mean, if everyone stays healthy, I think you guys are poised to have a really nice long run. I'm not willing to say you're the western conference champs or anything like that that's got to be earned but anybody dismissing the jazz or not putting them at the top of the heap i think is missing out
0: get you out on this where's jj Berea? when's he going to show up in a playoff game and give you 18
1: yeah jj's in spain we miss him uh i think he's you know he's got he lives here and he lives in miami uh so i think he's going to be bouncing back and forth but i wouldn't be surprised to one day see jj uh as a prominent part of the mavericks coaching staff
0: I could see him, even in old age, giving 11 off the
1: bench yeah, for some man. team. Jazz killer. I need to go see what he's doing in Spain. I bet he's putting up numbers.
0: Legend of Puerto Rican players giving work to Americans. Carlos Arroyo <laughs> in the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's Pretty amazing. awesome.
0: Valley Sports, Ben Skin Show, Jeff Skin Wade on Roundball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Skin, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: All right. Thank you, man. Look forward to talking to you again i <laughs>